Welcome to the PVO Podcast, the platform where we discuss it all. From culture, to music, to entertainment, sports, business, health, wellness, name. But within everything discussed, we think positive, and we find a silver lining, regardless of the situation. If it's not positive, we don't we want it. it. Nope. We hate it. Get it out of here. Yo, 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 and we're back. PVO Podcast episode I'm here with the gang. I'm at Dio. Yo. What's up? Different days and shit. I'm at Chi. Chi yo. Yo yo. Walu. Yo, what's happening? Oh, Walu, no bandana today, huh? <laughs> got the hat on, man. Okay. Okay. You shit, man. Spicy. I see you. I no doubt. Um, but I just want to touch upon something that you know I've been hearing the last couple of weeks. One of the things that has been discussed. You know, on the left side, left wing, right wing, mm-hmm. and that's equity versus equality. Um, and in regards to that, we'll just keep it brief and, and keep it, you know, headed in the direction of, you know, the plight of black Americans, African Americans. I'll just read the Webster's uh, dictionary definition of both, and then we could just dive right in. So, the definition of equality is the state of being equal, especially in status, rights and opportunities. The definition of equity is the quality of being fair and impartial. And for me, like, I'll just jump right into it. I feel like anyone that's still fighting for equality, that's not what it's about. Like, they need to do a little bit more research, they need to open up their eyes, and they need to understand that it should be all about equity because Leveling, like to me, equality is like leveling the playing field, right? But how can you level the playing field when the playing field for us started with the cotton field? You we was in the cotton man. field picking cotton, right? We have to go back 400 years, you know, and that first era is the slavery era. Like, and then after that, you had Jim Crow. And then after that, we had civil rights. And then after that, we had the war on drugs and the super predator area era. So how can we just automatically just say, you know what, let's just forget about everything that happened, forget about the generational trauma, and just, all right, the, the, the playing field is level, go ahead, you know, like, do, do what you do, like, that's not fair, like, that's not reality, and I feel like that needs to be addressed, so um, I mean, yeah. at this point. Yeah, absolutely, man, and I echo that um, profoundly, just because, I mean, to, to your point, we're so far behind. Um, that's the black people that is, you know, we're so far beyond um, the white generation. So, you know, in order for equality to be even a topic of discussion, we have to get caught up. We have to get all the way caught up and, and that can only happen, you know, via equity. So, you know, I'm more for equity. I know to your point, I mean, anybody who doesn't truly understand that definitely needs to do some more research. And hopefully, you know, after this discussion, they have a better understanding of, you know, where we're going with this. Very good. Absolutely. Point. And I think, my whole thing is sometimes I try to see it from the other people's perspective. And when I say the other people's perspective, I mean specifically white folks. No, for real. No, here's the thing. My thing is ultimately, I love it. we all have to live in this country together. We have to figure out a way to live in this country together. So yeah, there's the era of waking up. And I, I feel like black people, you know, and marginalized people have every right to be as fucking pissed off and as upset as they want to be. You know what I'm saying? I think the looting is necessary because it it gets the other side to wake the fuck up. But after, you know, 
we, we finally have agreed that there is an issue, there's a problem, and both people, both sides are willing to come together or unwilling, right? Who gives a shit? But a, a dialogue, right? A civil, um, civil discourse, right? Is, can be had. And then you start talking about, okay, how do we start to make this thing become a reality? And I think what gets in the way of that a lot of the times is, you know, the idea of, of, of equity, right? Some, th- there are white folks out there that they don't understand what what do you mean by I need to give you a leg up you know what I'm saying I, I I live you know in a trailer park you know what I'm saying I don't have a legacy of education in my family right I don't have uh, uh, you know a legacy of a family at Ivy League college so when you're saying that there's all this you know this white privilege I, I don't get it like why like it's not there for me so we need to get to a place where we start to think not individualistically but as a whole. And what I've noticed is people who have been marginalized, they have a part in their brain that has developed to look at their race as a us. And white folks, for the most part, they still think of themselves as themselves, as a unit. And I just believe it's because there's no history of real suffering. They never, there's, there's nothing in their history that has brought them, to, brought them together that they've had to overcome as a race. So they can't even begin to understand what generational trauma is or what, you know what I'm saying? Or the idea that their wealth, or rather not their wealth, their um, their privilege is a generational privilege. Like they just can't get that in their head sometimes. And I think that's why they, they have this, I, this, this pushback on equity. You know what I'm saying? Because their whole thing is slavery is over. So we're all equal now. So that's why the equal conversation is something they want to have because they feel like, no, nah, let's just... You know what I'm saying? We're all equal now. We're all, you know, we had a black president. So y'all like us now, even though, you know, they had what, 43 before we had one. So it's like, you know, I think that's why the conversation of equity really has to be had more because it's a tricky conversation to have sometimes because some people think so individualistically sometimes because equity is not an individual conversation. It's a, it's a group conversation. You got to take yourself out of the equation and go, okay, me, me, Tom, right. Or Bob, right. in, in, in the Bible Belt, I might not have those, you know, what is considered as white privilege. You might, you might not think that way, but your race has that as a group. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I feel like that's, that's the difficult thing that, you know, that I try to... How do you have a conversation with somebody who doesn't feel like they already have that in their background? You know, how do you, how do you weaponize that kind of conversation sometimes? Definitely, in, in this country, um, black people definitely started off at a huge disadvantage. So, yeah. you know, to order, in, in order to get anywhere, equity, equality, like it's gonna just, you know what I mean? It, it's gonna take a lot more because it's starting from so far behind. I agree. Uh, starting line. I agree. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll get to the solutions. I actually have a, a great solution that I wanna, you know, pitch. I saw an image, man, because I'm a visual learner. So as I like was doing research, like, you know, I put in equality versus equity and I saw an image of, you know, three guys Standing, look, looking over a fence to watch a game, yep. you know. And I, my man Dio's shaking his head because you probably seen the same image. So mm-hmm. you know, you type it in, it comes. The first thing that comes up. Yeah, I so absolutely. They're all standing on a, a certain crate, and the crates, all the crates are the same size. The only difference is each individual, you know, um, they, they differ in height. So, got the person one is really tall. He's head, shoulders, and torso above this fence. He can see the game perfectly. Person two can see over the fence, but he's, he can barely see. 
You know, he's only head and neck above the shoulder. And then uh, head and neck above the fence. And then the third person, the shortest guy, cannot see the game at all. Like he's looking at the fence and he cannot see. And that is the definition of equality, right? Everyone's mm -hmm. on equal grounds. You know, regardless mm -hmm. of where you started, regardless of your color, regardless of what school system you went into, whether great or crappy, that's equality. Now, the second box was, you know, they were all standing in front of the fence, looking, watching the game, but this time the tallest guy, he can still see over the fence without the box. Mm -hmm. So they removed the box, but he can still see, which is great. Second guy um, needed the box to see because if we removed the box from him, he wouldn't be able to see over the fence, he, you know? So he kept the box. And then the third guy, with one box, he couldn't see over the fence. So he, he required two boxes. So they gave him two boxes and voila, like all three of them can see over the fence. That, mm -hmm. my people, is equity. So the third box, or, or yeah, the third image is the three gentlemen with no boxes. And instead of it being a fence where they can't look through, it's a fence with holes in it. Like you could just look through like the fence. You know, you know those gated mm. fences where you could see? Like the first fence, you know, you could not see. It was like wooden. You, you can't see it visually. But in this third image, you know, none of them are in boxes, but the fence, they switched up the fence. And in that box, which I thought was really, really neat or cool was, you know, they switched out the fence where everyone can see through it. And that's basically getting, getting rid of the systematic barrier that's in place. Mm -hmm. So with all that being said, um, how do you guys think we should go from here? Like, should we focus on building up the equity within African-American, you know, um, within our plight? Or should we focus on getting rid of the systematic you know, barriers or do we focus on both? Right. My thing is, I want to add real quick. The problem sometimes is that America is built on this foundation, right? Where the wealth gap and the racial gap have become so intertwined. And that's where, that's literally the definition of a systematic problem, right? If you take, for example, schooling in America, right? And the, the idea like where you live the property taxes of where you live directly influence the quality of the school that you go to, right? Over the years, black people systematically have been put in really, uh, have been, you know, really shipped off to really shitty real estate, you know? And so, and, and white people today tend to live in the more affluent areas. So the more affluent schools are more, you know, a lot more funded yeah. than, you know, the schools that are teachers uh, more, with, more with tax dollars. exactly a lot of the great teachers yeah. are going to be attracted to you know other schools that have more funding that can afford to pay them more you know and that's not saying that we don't have great teachers you know in these lower income communities because we certainly do but you know mm -hmm. if you think about it as a teacher if you have an opportunity somewhere mm -hmm. else that's going to pay you more there's a possibility you're going to take that so it's tough exactly better teachers all that just basically their budget is just completely different Right. So sometimes it becomes a problem now because, you know, essentially what you would want to do is you would want to undo those links, right? The link of, you know, property taxes being the thing that defines the schooling system. You know, once you undo that link, if there's just a general pool of tax dollars that can go to all schools equally, that to me now is still not enough, right? Because 
because technically that would be some form of uh, of equality, right? Equality. But right. The, the thing is, the problem has been exacerbated for such a long period of time that now it's not even as easy as a fix as that. So, you know, to, to, to me, the, the issue in America sometimes is like, it's over the years, it's now become more of a social economical problem than it is a racial problem. You know what I'm saying? Just because the system has now has now literally shifted, <laughs> has literally shifted the course of like r- racial positioning in America. So sometimes that's where it, it, it tends to now become a difficult conversation to have, you know? Um, the whole equality and equity yeah. thing. Because my thing is like, sometimes you can talk about it very broadly, right? You can talk about, you know, these these two images that you painted, right? The pictures that you painted Nas of mm-hmm. one uh, of, you know, the equality situation and yeah. the equity situation. But the, the issue is with the equity situation, the, the tallest guy in that analogy, mm-hmm. he's been drinking milk forever. <laughs> and the shortest guy in that analogy has been oppressed forever. So... That it's almost like that part of it is not going. It's, it's I mean, not it's not going to change, but it, it's going to require equity for a long period yeah. of time. Maybe you know, maybe four hundred years. <laughs> maybe another four hundred years. You know, you I, I, I don't think equity. it's going to be that long, just because you know, in general, now you're having a completely different conversation because in yeah, general, our world is not as is not an industrialized world as it once was. So mm. a lot of these things will take a shorter period of time than they did, you know, back in the day. You know. Okay. Uh, uh, Kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say, I mean, the only way um, that I think it could work is, I mean, obviously you, you have two options. You know, you can either, you know, halt completely, which is which is you know virtually impossible, but halt completely, you know, the progress of the white race in order to allow the black race to catch up. Obviously, that's impossible, right? Or you have to just completely tip everything you know, in favor of black people. So for every one thing that white people get, black people need 10 of those, right? They need 10 of those. So that's the only way you could really, you know, attempt to, to, to catch black people up, right? You know, to white folks. Um, in addition to that, you know, a perfect example, I think, well, what I think needs to happen, there needs to be a deep dive of all the, the root causes um, you know, all the barriers that, that black people have in order to succeed in life, right? So, you know, uh, an example of equality, to, to Dyer's point earlier, um, is like in the school system, for example, right? You know, you have all the kids in class, black and white, and all the kids in class, you know, the school gets everybody a laptop, right? So everybody has, you know, equal opportunity to, to adequately work, get their work done at least that's what the school system thinks, right? However, you know, the issue is that when black people go home, you know, that kid that has a laptop, that's well and good. You know, he doesn't have, you know, internet access, exactly. you know, at home, right? Because his family can afford, his family cannot afford, you know, um, internet. It just doesn't happen. Or, you know, the, 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 the conditions he lives in are just not conducive for him to probably get his work done. So that kid needs special attention and much more support you know, more than a laptop, right? He needs more than everybody else is getting. So, you know, if you equate that to, to our race and our people, you know, we need way more, more way much more than what everybody Real else is quick, getting. Real quick, see, that's an excellent point because uh, I work for New York City uh, Public Schools, you know, as an occupational therapist. And, you know, when, when we had to work from home and do teletherapy, you know, as the therapists and teachers had to do teleschool, like we found 
a significant amount of kids that could not start, you know, receiving these services due to the fact of no computers at home. Like the only time they could get on a computer is when they come to school or no internet access. You know, it was 2020, like you don't have internet access. So they, we had yeah. to wait on the city to provide, you know, free internet, you know, or, or, you know, the schools, we had to wait for the city to give us, you know, extra iPads or extra computers so we could give it to the kids. That took weeks. So yeah, I'm pretty sure this wasn't right. happening, you know, in, in suburban New York or suburban anywhere. Right. So like, that's what we're talking about. You know, with all that being said, like, do we have a solution? Like, what are some things that we could work towards, you know, in regards to improving? Like, you know, Chi, you, you mentioned, you know, for the lower economic, you know, um, areas, maybe we, we allow them to get more computers or like, like, if anything, like, let's say I saw another example where, you know, it paired equality versus equity where the equality version was all public schools in the community have computer uh, labs with the same number of computers and hours of operation during school hours, right? That's equality. But equity um, states computer labs in lower income neighborhoods have more computers and printers as well as longer hours of operation as some students don't have access to computers or internet at home at all. So like, let's say each state adopted this, each city adopted this, you know, that, okay, that's one step in the right direction in, in regards to equity. So what are other, what are other steps that you guys um, can propose that we could, we could utilize? Man, there's a lot, there's a lot. So it's a laundry list of things that needs to be done. But, you know, to my point earlier, you know, a lot of issues um, from the past, you know, need to be uncovered first and, and dealt with first, you know, such as like incarceration, for example. You know, a lot of kids are coming from broken homes, right? So, you know, first step is um, a thorough review of all convictions against black people. I mean, I think we need to start there because, you know, that plays a part in the household um, for black kids just being able to focus on school and be able to get educated and, you know, just move forward in life. Um, and then in addition to that, like I said, we need much more support than, than everybody else. And, you know, a lot of ideas I have are very grand, to be honest, but, you know, I do think that there needs to be a, a deliberate, you know, bias in favor of black people, you know, going forward. So, you know, for example, I think education, you know, needs to be free, you know, for black people completely, you know, from, from uh, all the way through college. You know, just 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 because you're black, to be honest, just because, you know, a, a big reason why a lot of black people um, can't get educated is they can't afford to go to school. And that's the reason why a lot of them, you know, focus solely um, on sports, you know, in order to get a scholarship, in order to in order to make it make it to college. Right. So I think education should be free for black people all the way through. I would love to see in a lot of these big companies in corporate America. I would love to see them, you know, allocate uh, a good portion of your jobs to black people only, right? Or, you know, it needs to be, it needs to be mandated that they interview, you know, a, a minimum number of black people for every new job opening that they have. So it's kind of similar to, you know, what we have in the NFL with the, the Rooney Rule, I think it's called, um, where, you know, when there's a head coaching job available, you know, a number, um, number of black people have to be interviewed for that job. So I would love to see that, you know, in corporate America as well. You know, I would love to see um, banks, you know, allocate um, investments and funding to black people only. 
right? Because a lot of us are unable to, to, to buy houses, you know, because we're not able to get loans. A lot of us are not able to do business, for example, you know, because we're not able to get loans to fund the business ideas that we have. You know, so it's never been a case, like, for example, you know, when it comes to, like, entrepreneurship, it's never been a case where, you know, black people weren't just as intelligent or even more creative than our white counterparts, but a lot of times we're not able to get a lot of businesses off the ground simply because, you know, we don't have the, the funds or access to the funds or loans in order to do so, whereas, you know, white folks can get a loan, no problem, or white folks already come for money. Right, it's generational wealth, so they're able to get the funds that they need in order to power these businesses, and that's why a lot of these great businesses that we see today are all founded by white people because they had the money in order to do it, whereas black people didn't. So perhaps it needs to be um, loans that are just dedicated solely um, and accessible only by black people. So um, those are those are a few thoughts that I have. I mean, I could go on forever, but you know, I want to give it to people. Gee, the chance I, to, I completely to agree with you. I, yeah. I I completely agree with you, and and. Here's, to me, the lie is that they're lofty ideas. There's nothing lofty about yeah. it. Listen, after World War II, Jews got reparations. Mm-hmm. It's, it's possible. The, the thing is, that obviously, World War II was a shorter period of time, right? The, the, the Holocaust and you know the systematic killing of Jews was, what, four years? So yes, putting together reparations for that period is slightly easier than it would be for... 300, 400 plus years of of, um, of slavery, of, of oppression, but it is very possible. Listen, if you're building a bridge in New York today or anywhere else in the world, right, you put a toll and then you say, we're going to collect a toll for 40 years or 50 years to pay for this bridge. America should say for the next mm, 200 years, all done. black people go to college free, meaning right. sometimes when we think of reparations, we think it's just so impossible to... to to achieve, yes, it's a tall order, but you can do it and you can put a time limit on it. And then you just think of the systematic places where black people have been held back the most. Black people should be able to buy a house at 0% interest for the next 30 years. You should be able to go to college free for the next 30 years or 40 years. Like, at least start the conversation somewhere. But the thing is like, I just hate the idea of, oh, it's it's been so long, it's impossible to kind of catch up. And like, to me, I think, if you say a, you know, a black person can go to college in America for the, for the next 40 years, to me, those 40 years of free college undoes, can undo 200 years of oppression. You know what I'm saying? So to me, that's how, I, so yeah, gee, I don't think you should be like, yo, I know my yeah, ideas I mean, are it so does, crazy it or does, so lofty. It, it, like, they're not that far-fetched, bro. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just think that I, don't, I just don't see why America going for it. You know, unfortunately, you know, and, and they're the ones that are in a position of power, you know, who are able to set these policies. So I really just don't see them going for that. I would love to see that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think somebody needs to do the exact math, right? If you just think of education alone, like what, what's what's the current student debt? <laughs> right. 2.2 trillion. You share, man? Yeah, yeah. But I was going to... You know, because... My fault, yeah, but I was just going to say, um, you know, maybe we have to just look at private companies. Private companies should just jump in and, you know, just take the matter into their own hands like I saw I read somewhere that Bank of America you know within a couple of phases is gonna give like correct me if I'm wrong one billion to like black owned you know small businesses and I don't know if they're gonna dedicate you know to homes and 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 like mortgage loans I don't know but I know it's a specific agenda to give one billion dollars away to black inclined 
you know, people, right? So that shit crazy. They're taking that into their yeah. own hands. And then even to, ju- to talk about your point, Chi, there's a movie that I watched uh, not too long ago called The Banker. And, and I don't know if has anyone seen mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Great, on Apple great TV. On Apple TV, Absolutely. exactly. And yeah. then that, that right there just covers your point where, like, there were... It was around the time I don't I can't really remember the time the forties, the fifties, the sixties, but it was black affluent, you know, people that had the money, had the jobs, and they could afford homes, but they were getting turned away because of the color of their skin. And then there was this banker, extremely right. intelligent brother, who actually, you know, became the, the mortgage lender and he was able to get black homes. Bernard and, Garrett is his name, by the way. Exactly, yeah. that's his name. You know, get get black folk into homes and you know give them money to start their business. But the caveat was he couldn't be the face mm-hmm. of his company. Right. You know, he needed a white mm-hmm. guy to be the face to get the money, you know, to give to the black folk. And it's, just a, it's, a, it's based on a true story. Great movie, yeah, and, you know. And, 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 and if I may, man, I want to add, you know, two personal examples that, you know, Nas, that you're closely familiar with as well as Dali, most likely. But, you know, myself personally, and I had two entrepreneurial endeavors, um, you know, in the past decade. Um, you know, one being the Lights Movie app and mm-hmm. the HBD app. So, mm-hmm. to your immediate point, Nas, you know, with the HBD app, it was myself um, and two of the partners. One of them was white. And a big reason for the white partner was to serve as the face of the company. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were sitting in rooms with angel investors and VCs, you know, in order to give us a better chance of, of getting funding mm-hmm. from these guys. So, um, that alone is a problem in itself, right? That that has to be done or that's necessary. And then um, the second point was to your point about you know, small businesses. If you think back to the Lights Movie app, which was a concept um, based on consistently capturing Lights moments for your video, mm-hmm. right? And that's a and that's a concept in the app that we have put together back in 2010. And you know, the big reason why that app never succeeded was because we didn't have the funding, we didn't have mm-hmm. the money in order to push it, um, to get the best um, developers or in order to market it the right way, right, the way it needed to be marketed. And then, you know, a couple of years later down the line, we saw other similar apps like Vine, and then we saw, you know, Instagram come out with the video concept, and then when we really saw Snapchat, I remember when Snapchat came out, a ton of people hit me up like, yo, she, that's what you were trying to do back in 2010. That's exactly what you were trying to do back in 2010. You know, Snapchat is founded by a white person. Right, so if you think about it, it's like the difference between him and I. It's not. It's not that he was more intelligent than myself. Right, it's just that he had access, you know, and, and opportunity, you know, to funding in order to carry that app and build it to where it is today. Absolutely. Yeah, that's correct. But the thing is, like, to to just to add to what she is talking about, the problem is, white folks in America cannot think outside of this individualistic thing, you know, because they'll, they'll, they'll see your situation and I can see an argument being, but I don't have a rich dad to give me a million dollars or I don't have, you know what I'm saying? Like, so exactly. if, if I if had that idea that you had, it's the same for me. And it's like, no, it's not the same because you got to think, and it, yeah. right, it's, it, it, it's even the same bullshit that happens when you talk about, you know, they say, oh, but wh- more white men are shot by police in America every year than black people. Yeah, obviously, because there's fucking more of you guys running around, right? You have to also talk about the percentages within the group of of the race, right? America, white people are 70% of America, right? And black people are, what, 30, actually like 18% or something like that. So the thing is, they just don't get that sometimes, that like there are more white people out there that will graduate with their student loans being paid off by their parents. They are, 
if their parents pass away, they're going to inherit real estate. So right out of college, they're already at an advantage. Y'all are already so fucking far ahead. They have to have trust funds too. So you're even fighting That's against that as well, Seeing right? That. That's why it pissed me off a few years ago when Trump came out when he was running for election in 2016, talking about, oh, my father didn't really give me much. I, he gave me a, you know, he he started me off with a, 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 a not even a loan. He started me off with a grant of a million dollars. He had the fucking nerve to say that on on national news, thinking that that was a disadvantage. That's his understanding of a disadvantage. Like, I built all this for a million dollars. Bro, fresh out of college, give me a million dollars? Right. I'm richer yeah. than Trump. I'm telling Absolutely. you. Absolutely, that's a fact. So, and the thing is, he that's probably fact. didn't have any student loans. So, so that million dollar grant that he was given, he didn't even have any prior debt, if you know what I'm talking about, in terms of like, Mm-hmm. Oh, now that I have this million dollars, I'm gonna go pay off my student loans first. I'm gonna go help my mom get a car or a house. I'm gonna try and put two other cousins through college. No, that was just for you to think about what you want to do with your life. And, yeah. and let's be real, it wasn't even right. that. He probably got a nice, uh, you know, a, a carte blanche, like right? a, a blank check to do whatever he wanted yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, and just right. you know, if we just take our minds off money for one second, there's still so many other things that come to play like a lot of my white friends like that are getting married now like they're not out shopping for rings for the most part right like they have the ring that's passed down like grandma's ring or you know mom's ring and like these rings are expensive rings like or like we don't we don't unfortunately that's not the narrative within our community we have to go out and buy our own ring for, for whatever reason or houses i know a lot of people that their first house they're not going out and buying it. It's like a house that's been in the family for, you know, yep. generations after, you know? So yeah. these are things that they're so used to. Like when they argue against us in regards to like, why are you guys talking about racism? There's no racism. They're so numb because that, like, that's just what they're used to. Right. You know, similar to how we're used to always hearing, yo, you have to work twice as hard. You have to work twice as hard as them, you know? Like that's just something we're used to hearing. And not you know, also to, to go into yeah. what you're talking about, you know, to, and to really have it be on topic is okay. that now let's bring that back into the reparations, converse, reparations conversation, right? All right, cool. So let's look at all the, you know, if you look at all the white Americans today, what's the percentage of them that's going to graduate from college without student debt? And whatever that percentage is, then we just apply that to the black, you know, the, the total of black people that graduate from college, and we try to make that equal. So, you, so meaning, if if there's kind of a negotiation that would happen as a fo- as opposed to like the reparations thing, right? If white folks push back against, no, 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 we can't have all black people just going to college for free. Like that's that's unfair. Then we go, okay, so it'll be we just want, let it be, let it match the amount okay. of white people that are going to college today and and graduating for free, right? Without okay. any kind of student debt, right? That's, I mean, I'm not even in Congress, right? And, you know what I'm saying? And and I can have that conversation. Like, I have the wherewithal to go, okay, like, let's try and figure out what the, how do we make it equal for everybody? But yeah. to me, to just throw up your hands and just go, nah, we should just get over it. Nah, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't wrap my head around that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, that, that was a great conversation. A lot of gems dropped. Um, the one thing I didn't really hear, though, in regards to a better way or solution is uh, have a, a group of old white people roll out with kente cloths um, and take a nail for like eight, nine minutes, right? Like like symbolism. Um, and yeah. honestly, I'm speaking for myself. You guys could chime in. 
uh, another street, another boulevard. Like to me, that's like a yellow brick road. I don't know what that is. Like that just to me, that's <laughs> a form of a symbolism. That like that's another Martin Luther King, MLK like street boulevard. Like mm-hmm. I, I want policy change, bro. I, I want I want economic endowment. I, like I want those types of conversations. Like don't. Don't shove another monument in front of my face. Like I'm over. Don't give me another month. Like Black History, like, 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 like just like I, I think Dio said it earlier about you know the Jewish people receiving reparations, right? And then what did we get? We got a, a month, Black History Month. Like, like Black History is American history. Like let's start there, right? So for me, don't give me another symbolic piece of crap. Like excuse my language. Give me something that's more finite, more tangible, and, and, and yeah. something that could push my generation forward. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that goes hand in hand, too, um, with some people's feelings towards the, the Black Lives Matter being, uh, you know, painted on, painted on the street out in D.C., you know, right outside, of, right outside the White House. You know, mm-hmm. Some people feel like, you know, we don't care about that. I mean, that's, that's not what we need right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice gesture, but... You know, we don't want people getting getting fooled by that. I'm so conflicted about that because you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Right, like, right. At this point, like, I will take progress in any, any way it comes. I will take progress in any form that it comes. Okay. They did that. It was a little goofy. They don't oh, get damn. it. I appreciate it. And then it's for, it's for us to educate. You educate, right? And that's a very tough thing. You know, Naz, you were talking about that situation. I'm sure you were also going to eventually pivot to, you know, the Drew Brees situation where, you know, he came out initially and was talking about how he, you know, was not for, you know, uh, kneeling during uh, the national anthem, you know, anything that disrespects the flag. And to me, it just comes down to when your circle is so small and your circle is maybe Fox News, you know what I mean? And Trump tweets. I can understand how you can think a black man would just go out there and just take a knee just to disrespect the flag. You're just uninformed. You're just grossly uninformed. And I and I honestly feel like that he really just had the conversation for the first time. And a bunch of his black, you know, teammates explained to him, like, you know this movement was completely hijacked by the media, right? The right media and by our president. This man had no intention whatsoever to take a knee to disrespect the flag, but there are vast amounts of white America that completely bought into that message. Completely bought, like they have no fucking concept of what is even going on. So there's a part of me that believes that Drew Brees really had that, those conversations and he's truly seeking forgiveness. I mean, this man released three, <laughs> three apologies, right? I'm dead. And there's a part of me that's so like so bitter and like, no, fuck you, because this shit's been going on since 2016. Like, you do not deserve an, you know, uh, forgiveness from us. But there's also the part right. of me that does know, God damn it, we gotta still live in this country together. Like, at what point do, do we then offer an olive branch in this whole thing? You know, yeah. I, so, I constantly struggle with that, right? Do we, you know, when when are we when when do we say okay? we're going to be the bigger people and, and allow those who are seeking forgiveness or, or do we just go, nah, fuck that. We're over that completely. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I struggle with that big time. I know. Me, yeah. me too. I mean, I think, I mean, I think it poses a, a strong question, you know, like how, because obviously as, as 
because work that needs to be done um, by white America, you know, they are in control of a lot of policies. So it's work we need to see from them, from them. But it also poses the question like, how much can we do for ourselves? You know, being a black community, what can we do for ourselves? And you know, I thought about this too after watching Jamira's video, and you know, she mentioned um, Black Wall Street down in Tulsa, mm-hmm. right? And we see you know, how much that they were able to do for themselves as opposed to, you know, waiting for the white man to do this and do that. You know, they they, they built, you know, uh, a community for themselves, a thriving, you know, black community for themselves with thriving black businesses and everything they needed, you know, they had it there. You know, so I guess if they got to a point where they were like, listen, we're not concerned about trying to, you know, blend in and live, you know, with the white man, we're gonna just focus on ourselves and do it on our own. So, you know, question I have for you guys is like, um, how much can we do on our own and, and what are some things that we can do on our own as a black community right now in order to, you know, su- support one another and, you know, propel one another to be successful? Okay. I mean, listen, I know I haven't chimed in that much, but um, I really think, my, my thing is mostly about self-sufficiency. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I listened to like a lot of like Malcolm X back in the days and he was like, why would you turn around and ask the people who have been oppressing you, could you please do this for me, could you please listen, you know, I like a lot of the ideas of being self-sufficient, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Me too. Um, you know what I mean? Build, building building things for your own, not even having to ask the people who, you know, are, are doing this to you, can you give me this, can you give me, you know what I'm saying? It's like, listen, build your own, you know what I'm saying? Get at it, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and try to, you know, but you know, build. Why build on that a lot. You know yeah, but you know, th- yeah. this is not the problem that I have. And maybe it's because I'm, I'm a bit of a romantic myself and an idealist myself, but that completely defe- defeats the purpose of what America is supposed to be. If we go down that route, then to me, America should be broken up. Let the South go do their own thing. Let us go do that. You guys want to fly your Confederate flag down there? You do that. Maybe they're, they're, they'll give black folks a certain, a different part of the country. We go there, we do our own thing. Everybody goes their own way. Like it defeats the purpose of what America was designed to be. Like to me, unlike other countries, America, and I said this in our last episode, America is the great experiment. It's the greatest experiment of, greatest experiment right. of modern time. We're gonna take a patch of land and we're gonna say, anybody who wants to come live here, be whoever you wanna be, whatever skin you are, worship whatever God, love whoever you wanna love, live here in harmony, as long as it doesn't, as long as you're not hurting your neighbor, that's what America is, and you are, you know, basically given every freedom possible. If yeah, and I, and I, the idea, right, the romantic idea behind it, it's a great idea, and that's, and that's, yeah. But and I hear you, man. You know, and you know, we should try to live together and work together. But I mean, I mean, how long are we going to keep waiting? How long are we going to keep asking? You know, I mean, just us, like naturally as human beings, you know, if you keep asking somebody to do something for you and somebody keeps making these empty promises, you know, at some point you're going to be like, yo, fuck it, I'm going to just do it myself. You shit, right? man. Naturally. So I think, I think there's definitely stuff that we have to do on our own and things that we can do yeah. on our own. You know, for example, a lot of these, a lot of successful black people at this point in time, you know, who have been able to establish companies for themselves, Right, you know, perhaps they need to only hire black people, right? But we do see a lot of these black um, successful folks who have companies and they still hire, you know, the, the, the workforce is still a, lo- a lot of white people, you know, they're not hiring a lot of black people. So, yeah. you know, we need to start our own businesses, you know, hire black people and then support black businesses. You know, I think that's pivotal. Um, no, nah, at the same time, I don't think anybody's advocating for us to not be self-sufficient, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
it's all the spirit. Um, you know, it, it can't, it, it can't be framed as a bad thing to be self-sufficient. That can only, I feel like it can only benefit you if you're doing things mm -hmm. actively, um, you know, to, to help yourself um, for the most part. And you know what I'm saying? I also like echo sentiments of things like, like Killer right. Mike was saying, like black people, like, you know, a lot of the energy that's spent trying to find us, you know, fight a system that's like against you but we also gotta um you know black people get on learn how to hunt learn how to fish learn how to build houses learn how to like just those core tenements you know what i'm saying once we got that can nobody take it away or can't you don't have to wait on nobody to give it you know what i'm saying like we can you know what i'm saying have those for yourself you can do everything else as well but also allocate some of that energy um you know to doing it being you know building your own blocks building your own banks invest in yourself if it could be done you know at that point in time with black wall street it could be i feel like it could be done today and you know obviously what happened with that happened but you know now we have uh you know a little bit more uh you know we're able to be seen more you know what i mean like we got video cams that i feel like they can't happen and also you know uh arm yourselves as well like you know that if you really want to do that again you know what i'm saying everybody knows mm -hmm. what is what is gonna be we're, we're, you know we're gonna mean? be we're gonna be ready this time you know it's exactly mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it won't hurt to have it, it won't hurt to have your own base right it won't have, hurt to have your own base you know what i'm saying yeah and, and yeah but while we even even not just building businesses but also being being informed and voting you know when you when you look at you know listen i remember i saw this was like Back in the day, people don't know about this. And, and to me, it kind of hurt me a little bit in his argument, even though I still think he was in the right and and he started a movement. Colin Kaepernick, you know, he came out, obviously, and, and took a knee and for police brutality and wanting, you know, change in the system. But he didn't vote. He, he said this. He didn't vote the last election. So we can't be in the streets rioting and, and, and protesting if we're not going to then put that energy in the voting booth. You know what I'm saying? So like, it, it's, it's, we can do it on our own, yes, in terms of building businesses, in terms of, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know hiring people that are, are, are like us, you know what I'm saying, to change the landscape. But also, man, the American system is, isn't that bad unless we are not participants in it. You know what I'm saying? The idea of the system is great, but if you don't participate in that system, then it really starts to fall apart, I think, sometimes. Okay, and I was just yeah. going to finish off, you know, this section in regards to, you know, what Chi said about, you know, we've been doing a lot of asking, right? And I agree, we've been asking a lot, but I, I really feel like we've been asking the wrong questions, right? We've been asking Word. for the wrong thing. We've been asking, we've been, we've been, the ask has really been about social issues and social justice and really not about economic endowment, economic, economic empowerment. It hasn't really been economic issues. Even earlier, Dyer, when you said the word economic issues, you put social in front of it. You said social economic mm -hmm. issues. And even to go back, you know, to the civil rights movement, around the time, you know, Dr. King was really, you know, about to center his, his speeches around economic empowerment. He said in one of his speeches, like, you know, he apologizes to his people. He feels as if, you know, he's led them into a burning house with, what, with a lot of his rhetoric from before. And then, you know, once, mm -hmm. I feel like once the government caught wind of that, you know, that's when they killed them, right? Yep. So I think that the ass now should be about economic empowerment and nothing else. Don't give me no symbols. Don't give me, mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't wear no kente cloth. Don't, you know, none of that. Like, I'm cool off the social piece. 
you know, we can revisit the social piece after, you know, you know, we take care of this economic piece. So, you know, you know, so that's what I just Education, to grants. That's it for me. Facts. Education mm-hmm. and grants. I feel like for the next 50 years, all black people should be able to go to college for free. And I feel like um, right out of college, we should have a tier system. And depending on, upon the idea that you have and, you know, a, a, a business plan that you want to execute, you should be given a grant for the next 50 years, boom. I'm just a little curious, though. I'm just a little curious, like, where you guys stand on, um, you know, a lot of people argue, like, like a system that would benefit black people or reparations. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you determine a certain lineage of who gets it? Because right. a lot of the people who are advocating for foundation of black Americans argue that only direct uh, descendants of American slaves should be able to get that, excluding all other groups, including Africans. So Africans will not receive that, Caribbeans will not receive that because this country only had American slaves. So I'm just kind of curious, like, you know, what do you think about that, um, that aspect as well? We wouldn't, you know, receive any of those benefits. They send out checks tomorrow based on, found, you know, the, which has the strongest case of foundational black Americans. You know, we wouldn't. <laughs> do you think, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, obviously it's two, two systems, two conversations to be had. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's just something interesting to think about. They would argue that, you know, based on the way, uh, I guess, Africa was colonized, you would go to that country and demand reparations from, I guess, England. And But they were like, you know, don't infringe on American, ask the American government for that. You got to go back, you know, wherever and ask that colonizing country yep. uh, to, you know, Absolutely. undo the injustices to your country. <laughs> but that's a separate conversation. Oh, you live. You you it's, it's just a point of interest to think about, man. A lot of that's people are, are arguing about I th- I think a, a simple answer to all of that is, bro, if your color, if the, if the color of your skin is black, you should get it. When I was 13, walking <laughs> home from school and a cop pulled me over, it, like, yeah. like, Oh, as I was riding my bike, you know, like he didn't care that I was Nigerian or not. Racism isn't pulling us aside and asking us, oh, are you Nigerian? Are you from Ghana? Like before, like they unleash, you know, these these prejudices upon us. They look at the color of our skin and then, and then they go from there. Right. So I don't know. Like, well, that's a great question. But One more question. If, right, it's so, if it's solely just based on if you're black in America, mm-hmm. you get some type of reparations. It, then the next conversation, somebody's gonna say, "Well, how black? How black is black?" <laughs> with somebody like Lo- with somebody like Logic, does he have face the same oppression as somebody? Well, coming you know with the questions, I mean? like bro. Aikon, you know what I mean? Well, Lou coming. That's I mean, so at, a, at a certain point in time, you know, if that's yeah. the argument, that's yeah. that's gonna be the next argument, which is okay. Now where where? So that's you know, man. Once you, it's you know. It's real oh, so we're gonna do the lunch. We're gonna do the brown bag test. We're gonna take it back to the brown bag. There you test. go. <laughs> to Walu's point, um, Logic, he's you know a real famous rapper, but he's half black, half white. You got you got people like J Cole, you know, half black, half white. So you know, and there's so many other people. Antoinette, our homegirl, you know, half black, half white. You know, one of the one of the uh, co-hosts of Around the Way Curls. Yeah. Shout out to them. So yeah, that's a really good point, Walu, man. Like and. We don't have all the answers right now, but you know, we just gotta continue fighting for economic empowerment, you know, and that's what I'm gonna stand. So just to move on from this topic and you know finish up another you know topic that we was talking about, uh, dial jump t- uh, to it in regards to entertainers, athletes, you know, I'm like companies, like should we be holding them accountable to get out and either protest or you know 
give a statement, you know, regardless of, you know, what side that they're on. Like you mentioned Drew Brees earlier saying something about the flag and then later on apologizing about what he said. You got guys like Little Wayne being a voice. I don't want him to be my voice as an entertainer, you know? Um, but you also got guys like LeBron James where, you know, when something happens, I'm like eagerly looking like, yo, I know my man LeBron gonna say something, that's my guy, you know? And I'm kind of waiting, anticipating, right? You know? So, like, should we hold these, you know, people Twin. accountable? You got companies like Nike, right? That came out with this like profound, you know, commercial, the statement for the first time ever, you know, they said, don't do it, right? Like, aligning with the protests and, you know, showing um, alignment with George Floyd and, you know, being against police brutality and, you know, racism and stuff like that. So, these do we, should we hold them accountable? Or, like, should we? Should, they, should we want them to say something or do something? Like, another example is Virgil, right? You know, off-white, he came out and said something about, the looting and rioting and you know he, he caught a lot of flack that he cared a lot more about you know the clothes and the stores than he did about George Floyd and he donated a small amount as well so he got criticized for that so black people have put more money in Nike's pockets than anybody else in the world That's and not crazy. only have we put more money in their pocket than mo mo yeah. most Jordan. other groups in the world we have made Nike what it is. You shit, man. You know what I'm saying? And so, yes, when shit hits the fan, I think that companies need to come out and say which side they're on. You know, and if you're yeah, comfortable yeah. with your position and it's not about Black Lives Matter, come out and say it. Say it. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it I, I was, uh, listen, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and it was basically like, I don't understand how white folks can think that you know, th the Black Lives Matter statement is, is, is not right or racism doesn't exist anymore and that's their true position. But when we see it, we don't see it with them just coming out and saying it. We always see some little, you know, some little woke 16 year old is having a conversation with her mother. We can't see her mother in the frame, right? We can only hear her mother saying these crazy things or her father saying these crazy things. So I, th there's a big psychological thing going on because I can easily come out and say, yes, black lives matter. And that makes all the sense in the world to me. Racism is out there, we need to end it. It just is so clean cut and simple. So if you really think that your position is the right position, you should feel comfortable coming out and saying it. So I don't understand, that, that's the problem with the whole thing. And if you can if you can hold an individual accountable to that, to, to being able to express themselves that way, we should, companies should be able to do the same thing, right? Companies wanna be taxed like individuals, right? So if you want to be treated as an individual when it comes to taxes and money, you should also want to be treated as an individual when it comes out to, you know, stating your claim on what you believe and what your, what your company is about, the soul of your company. Absolutely, yes. You should have to come out and say what side you're on. And if your company is benefiting off of the backs of black people, you got you to gotta put your money where your mouth is. You know what I'm saying? Julius. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah I mean, as far as... Uh... <laughs> Said Julian. <laughs> um, said Julian. Man. That's 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 that's, that's, that's my middle name, but that's you know. Name. But uh, but um, Lois, hey, my chain. Of you gotta there, get these man. reparations, but, uh, man. You gotta use the American name. <laughs> but now, what else? <laughs> Can't use yeah, the African right, name. You right. You right. <laughs> yeah, you right. I gotta use Chi next time I get pulled over. I'll pull the accident on you, shit. Chi Smith. Chi the bell. 
That's a fact. I'm off on Chico. Go ahead. But um, but I do agree with everything Dario stated. Um, as far as the company speaking up on our behalf, as far as uh, celebrities and entertainers speaking up, um, I think you know it's to an extent. You know, if you have a celebrity, for example, like like you said, Wayne or Future. <laughs> Um, you know, you can you can you can throw up a post, you know, to create an awareness because you have the platform. But I'm not expecting those guys to be leading the charge, yeah. right? Because it's not what they do. I don't think they're informed, educated enough, um, in order to represent, you know, the whole the whole black community. I'm not expecting them to do that. Um, I expect somebody else who's more informed to take that lead. That's not, a fact. The future, for example. Um, and in addition to that, you know, I think if you do have position, you know, like Jay Z has, right? I do expect. You know Jay Z to speak out because you know, regardless of the fact that he might not have lived in Marcy for so many years, you know he still comes from there and understands. He went through a lot when he was there, so he can imagine and understand what people, you know, much younger than him are going through in that same community right now. Um, and at the same time, just because you know you have so many black people who have gotten Jay Z to to where he is today, right? I feel like he owes him that as well. Um, so I think it's important for him to use his voice. And, you know, at the same time, it's like we talk about this a lot where, you know, we do have a select few of black people who make it out, right? So they make it out of the ghetto and achieve a level of success. And we don't want to see those guys turn our backs on us just because they haven't been in our position for so long. It's like, you know, we expect you guys and now the position that you're in to be able to reach back, right? And pull the rest of us with you, you know, if you can. So. Um, certainly, people in that position, I expect them to, to be out there on the front lines, you know, doing something. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you hear somebody say Black Lives Matter, and your response to that is All Lives Matter, then I think that's 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 bullshit to me. Um, you know, that can't be a response. Obviously, they're trying to tell you something. They didn't say Black Lives Only Matter. They didn't say White Lives Don't Matter. They didn't say all that. They're just trying to say Black Lives Matter. Um, and that's just a fact. It's not discounted from anything like that. The house on fire example. If there's a row of houses and one house is on fire, and you try to call the police and say, "Yo, this house is on fire," or, or, or call the fire department, "Yo, you know, whatever this house matters. We need attention at this house because obviously something's going on." And they say, "Well, all houses matter." You know what I mean? Well, this is the one we're talking about right now. So, it, it that as a response, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, it's bullshit. Um, to me, like to me. The, the Drew Brees situation, I think, I think it's honestly a, a lot simpler of a, of, a, of a question. I think there are two arguments going on. That that's where the, the main aspect of the of the conflict is happening. There's two conf, there's two arguments going on, and no, neither side is addressing the other side when they say each thing, right? I think you know, Colin Kaepernick obviously has a message. I think everybody would agree that police brutality is wrong. I think I don't think that's an argued point. I don't think that's the point people are arguing, and I think. Uh, people like Drew Brees, they have love and respect for the flag and for the, you know, for the country and their history. I don't think anybody's quite negating that. So I think a lot of people are conflating the issue where they take Kaepernick kneeling for the flag as a disrespect to the United States as opposed to a symbol of what he's representing. I think, I think people are, both sides are missing the point and they're both arguing uh, based on their perception. And I think you know, so if you separate the issues of police brutality and ask all the people who are saying, yo, you got to stand for the flag, ask them, do you think police brutality is correct? And I think the majority of them would be like, no, police brutality isn't correct, but I still love the flag. And they ask the people who love the flag, uh, do you 
respect or like or have some type of any, you know what I mean? Obviously, there are problems, but I think if you ask them for any reason, do you respect yeah. America at all? Now, I know there's problems, but, you know, I think, you know, a lot of them would agree. So I, I just think it's a conflating of the issue of the mode that he's protesting. I think that's the, that's the issue. That I don't think either side is addressing um, the, the each other properly. That's why I think the issue... I, I want to dive in a little bit and say, you know... I, 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 I disagree. I like that. And and the, the climate the climate has completely let me feel this way. There is something, right? We always go, oh, the media hijacked Colin Kaepernick's um, uh, his protest, right? And said that him kneeling was to disrespect the American flag and all that stuff. And then we try to find some kind of semblance of understanding and go no 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 truly they've yes they've hijacked what he's trying to do but if you do ask people is there police brutality in america they would all say right. yes that's that's giving the benefit of the doubt right i, I understand I want to that's believe. giving the benefit of the doubt i want to believe that but growingly i'm beginning to see that there are people that they go so far to remove themselves from society that they're blind mm-hmm. to that fact as well so they are in a deeper hole. Not only do they now believe Colin Kaepernick was disrespecting the flag, they don't even have any kind of understanding of the narrative that, that you know, black people are getting murdered in the streets. And there's some... Listen, on one of our previous episodes, we had my old roommate, Alex Davis, on, a white guy, and he was talking about how there are some white people out there that don't even want to look at it. They don't even want to see it. They don't Like, right now, they're not on social media. They're not turning on the news. Those people are the people that in their mind, just because they, they, they are in such denial and that denial of racism is bliss, they they have to create a narrative for why a black man is kneeling during the anthem. They have to. And that's, to me, that's like the real thing. It's like racism is so deep sometimes that it's like you will create any narrative to, ex- to explain why you hate a group of people. Right, you will, you will create any narrative. The, listen, Colin Kaepernick went and talked to a soldier, right, a, 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 an army vet, and it was an army vet who told him to take the knee. White people do you, do know you think this. it would be the same? And still, they choose to believe that narrative. So, it's it, 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 it's such a bro. Honestly, I, I don't have the answers as well, but it's such. It's such a, a conflated issue. And then when you look at how the media talks about, how the media talks about how celebrities engage politically, they're bigger. Per- Laura Ingram, you know, five years ago, LeBron comes out and he's talking about how they spray painted nigger on his gate and how, you know, what Colin Kaepernick is doing is absolutely great. Like racism is another conversation we have to keep having. She, she told that nigger to shut up and dribble. Drew Brees comes out and says that he, he's not for kneeling during the national anthem, and she's like, he's allowed to have an opinion. She don't even know it. That's how it be. She's racist, and she don't even know it. The fact that when once a black man opens his mouth, instinctively, you go into, that guy should go shut up and dribble. But yeah, once it's a white person, all of a sudden, he's entitled to an opinion. Celebrities, yes. You need to take account of who you are in the space that you occupying the social sphere and know how you're going to communicate with not just your fans and people who follow you but with the general media as well you know what i'm saying so sometimes i think sometimes celebrities just 
get out there and they, they react to the news in an emotional way. And sometimes the message can be lost. So absolutely. I think celebrities, yes, you are absolutely allowed to talk. This is, you are a citizen of America before you're an actor, athlete, musician, whatever. But you need to be very careful about what you're saying and how you're saying it. And whether you're alienating people, or whether you're bringing people along with your message, because the media don't give a fuck, man. Like they'll twist shit yeah. each and every single way for their own agenda. Like that bitch Laura Ingram yeah. does all the time. Can't yeah, right, I like that. <laughs> So um, in regards to like, like little microaggressions that occur that I'm happy that occurred because, you know, without us seeing it, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess, liberal whites, you know, will walk around feeling as if they're not racist. But like, you know, what happened in Central Park with Amy Cooper, right? Like she considered herself a liberal, right? She considered herself uh, not being a racist and at the slight of yeah. her authority being threatened by a black man, you know, we all see how she reacted. And and I'm glad it was caught on camera for white America to see, right? Um, so, and just to round up, you know, in regards to entertainers and athletes and companies coming out, I agree. I think she said this earlier, like, yo, we don't really need them to come out like that. We have activists in place. We got how we got people like Tamika Mallory, we got Angela <laughs> Ra. Like those are the people and all black women, of course, you know, they've been holding us down since the beginning of time. But those are the activists that I want on the front line, you know? And, uh, um, and then you got some that, you know, try to yeah. say stuff, but it just comes out wrong, like a Trina. You know, we all know about her statement, you know, how she said, oh, when a cop pulls me over, I'm never scared because I have uh, my license, I have my registration, my insurance, I'm good. You know, so she you knows she said a couple of other things that I won't bring up again. And you guys could Google what she said, but the very next day, I believe, she mm -hmm. walked herself back and apologized, right? And then um, you got guys like John Boyega, you know, huge stars. You know, I know yeah. one of Dio's homeboys, right, um, goes out and he's pleading, like, you could just tell, like, I felt what he was saying at my core. So much passion. passion about we have to protect our black women. Yeah. We have to protect our black queen. And I felt that. And to me, that was very positive, and, and regardless of how he was saying it. But I could see how, you know, other groups could spin that, like, oh, look at this angry black man that doesn't know how to communicate. Like, no. He, yep. he, it's, it's probably a lot of stuff pent up and built up because he's had to carry himself a certain way in so many different circles for so long it just kind of he just kind of let loose and um it, it looked like a form of therapy for him so you know those types of entertainers mm -hmm. i like that right and then you got guys like mark Wahlberg who came out i would have post and i know Dow, you probably know about this because he's within your active community you know about you know like black lives matter you know yep. he came out with a post similar to, the, to those lines and then they immediately attacked him and said yo like mark Bro, your, Wiki, your Wikipedia page shows that you've been a racist for a very long time. You know, you, you've, you've been jailed yep. because of your racism. You've beat people up. You know, you've done, you've called, you know, black people racial slurs and, and all of this stuff is documented. So, you know, stop pandering right now, bro, because we know who you really are. You know, so, and then even companies, like, we're, like, they know black people are the biggest consumers. Like, we consume a lot. It is what it is. You know, hopefully moving forward, we could, you know, protect the black dollar and only consume in our community and let that black dollar circulate more. But, you know, they know, like, damn, if, if they know, if these companies are like, we can't lose our black dollar because that's our main dollar. So let's come out and say something. 
well, let's come out and show that we're really that that we're aligned with them when it's false. So we just got to know, you know, who's authentic, who's genuine, versus who's not, right? So, but to take it take it into a really really uh, lighter note, I want to move forward to the next topic. Um, is the, the, the our current economy like something that you know we really haven't dived upon or talked upon on this podcast? Is like you know business and, and economy, and that's something that I feel like um, as as people, as black people, we need to discuss more. Like I mean, I've been saying it throughout this episode in regards to like oh we got to focus on economic empowerment. And um, one thing I've noticed, you know, I don't know if this is post pandemic, mid pandemic, what what we're in, but the market has kind of skyrocketed, right? Like and. For me, I think, all right, everybody's confidence is coming back up. You know, the government has infused, you know, trillions of dollars into the economy. So, you know, it, it might be this false sense of like money that's being poured into the economy. But, you know, what other things do you guys feel like is, you know, making everybody go out and spend money? Like even with the job, all the jobs lost still. Yeah, I think I think. You know, no, as you were saying this earlier, I think it's very important for black people to pay attention to the stock market as well, right? You know, because yeah, it's, like it's, it's a big opportunity, and I think a lot of black people don't even know about the opportunity because they're not informed. Um, so I think it's important for us to take advantage of these opportunities. Um, the market is skyrocketing, um, you know, the past couple of days, um, very, very strong days. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of that, you know, is due to the money that's been thrown um, into the country, you know, due to stimulus packages. Um, I think uh, there was a report that came out, the main report that came out, that talked that unemployment is, has dropped, um, you know, in May versus April to March, right? You know, the rate of unemployment has okay. dropped as well. So I'm sure that that's a factor as well. And, you know, so I guess that's a sign of the economy recovering. So that's a big reason why, um, you know, things are up and up right now with the economy as well. But so I think it's that, um, and definitely, you know, with the economy reopening, you know, you expect that businesses are gonna start back up. Oh, yeah. You know, you expect, you expect that people are gonna start traveling again, you know, and trying to get back mm-hmm. to normal pretty soon. So, you know, with that, the economy is gonna go up as well. And then of course, you know, Donald Trump, he, he certainly has a huge effect on the economy whenever he speaks, right? So, you know, he tweets. exactly, whenever he tweets or speaks, so he got on TV today and he talked about, you know, he expects the economy to have, you know, his best month, you know, of the year you know, in June, and for us, to, the economy to be even better the following month and be even better in September, you know. So when he says stuff like yeah. that, you know, we don't really know what the basis of his statements are. However, you know, Americans are going to jump on that, you know, and that's going to push the economy up as well. So, yeah. That's a good point. Anybody else want to ch- chime in before we move yeah, on? I heard the stock market is just a graph of rich people's feelings. Yeah. Exactly. Walu, that's exactly what I was <laughs> going to say. So, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. If they're feeling, if they're feeling like, if they're feeling... <laughs> yo, yo, drop a bomb right. on that. Oh, Walu, drop bombs. I'm dropping <laughs> all the bombs on that. Walu, that's yeah, so, I'll pick it back up. Yeah. yeah, nah, I mean, I mean, that's basically it. So if they're feeling like the country is about to come back and, um, you know, then, then they're, they're obviously going to be confident about it. And a lot of times that can actually generate the, the confidence boost can actually manifest itself where they, you know, because people see it going well, then they're going to invest more, which is actually going to make it mm-hmm. go well. Mm-hmm. So it can kind of be a self-fulfilling prophecy or a manifestation or whatever they, right. they um, you know, project to happen. Right. So. Listen, I, I mean, I, don't know. I think 
You also have a lot. You also have a lot of people, you know, who are unemployed, who are making more money than they were making, you know, while they were employed as well, right? So um, they have more money to spend. You know, employment benefits were increased, I think, by like six hundred dollars. So you know, a couple of these folks are, are making more money than they typically were. So there's more money to spend too. So that's that's, that's has a positive effect in the economy. Yeah, and then yeah. yeah. So just to just wrap up with what I was saying before was, <clears throat> I think one of the greatest lies that have has been told to the American people over and over and over again, and this is just, it's not even a conspiracy theory, but I'll save it for another episode where we can go into <laughs> in depth, is that Wall Street, what happens in Wall Street is a reflection of what's going on on Main Street. There's a difference between Wall Street and Main Street. So when Trump comes out and says, yo, the economy is doing, Amer- is, is doing amazing, right? The American people are resilient. No, Wall Street is resilient, right? A lot of the policies that are holding people back, right, the, the, the middle America, right, the, uh, and, and of course, the, the bottom of the food chain is not affecting the people who whose money, for the most part, is in Wall Street. You know what I'm saying? Like, Wall Street is a completely different beast, right? Wall Street and the American credit system is, is, is not based in reality, right? You got companies that have evaluations of billions and trillions of dollars that don't make anything. They don't make any product whatsoever. So if there are black people in the street, if there are people who are getting unemployed, right? Unemployment is all the way up, but at the same time, the the stock market is all the way up. You wanna know why? Because those companies don't have to pay their employees anymore and they can pump their own stock so it goes up. That has nothing to do with what's going on in the street and people being unemployed. So I do think that it will reflect eventually on their end because we are all tied in this country so so closely that yeah I do think I'm 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 pessimistic as to how this will reveal itself you know towards the election season around November I think I think the stock market is going to take a, a really huge hit towards November towards the end of the year and I think that's great because it falls during election season so you know if black people are not motivated right now i think compounded with the issues around that time you're gonna get a lot more motivated to vote because i do think things are going all right, to take a all right. Bit well said dial so now we're about to transition to one of my favorite moments of the week <laughs> was the song of the week and i guess i'll kick it off because I'm, I'm just way too excited over the weekend i rewatched when they see us right and that movie of course brought me back mm. it brought me to tears like you know but i for some reason i'm like yo I have to watch these types of movies over and over again just so, you know, it can remind me of why and what I'm fighting for. But as I was watching it this time, the first time I really didn't pay attention to it, but the playlist of that documentary is fire. Ava DuVernay, I'm sorry, I don't want to pronounce her last name. Ava DuVernay. Ava DuVernay is a musical genius. I don't know if she's the one that picked the, yeah. the, the songs or the records, but she had 112 in there. She had a whole, she had Jay, yeah. you know, and it just worked perfectly. But the one song that stood out to me the most was um, Umi. Um, Umi by uh, Mos Def. And it's basically, um, I, I know, I, I was waiting, I was waiting song. on you, Chief. Shit, I was Come on, man. <laughs> That's that's more that's more love. I love that movie. Shine your light on the world. Shine your light for the world to see. So when I heard that song, man, I had to pause the I had to pause it because it immediately took me to George Floyd. And you you remember, you know, what he was saying when he was like 
dying and who he called out for. You know, he called out for his mom. And for people that don't know what Umi means, Umi means mom. Umi means mother, right? Like, I had a roommate, um, he, you know, who called it at one point a temple. He used to call it his mother Umi. Like, that was my first time hearing it. And I thought that was so dope. Like, you know, how he had a certain word, something to relate with, you know, in regards to his mom outside of the term mom. So I, that, 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 that stayed with me. And then I heard the song that stayed with me even more. And then like in, in regards to the meaning, and then I see what happened to George Floyd and how he called out for mom, his mom. And I read somewhere on Instagram where it's like, when he shouted out for his mom, all mothers around the world got activated. Like it, it was like, he wasn't just calling out for his mom, but he was calling out for all mothers, you know, across the world, all mothers, you know, that, that are that are that are past and you know and no longer here with us. It, it like it, it, it awoke them. So, you know, I just correlated the two and I, I had that song on nine repeat on repeat throughout the weekend and I got a lot of work done listening to that. Chief, you got something for us? Yeah, yeah, I'm listening to um, so it's uh, most stuff too. Um, and uh, Talib Kweli, it's uh, you know, Black Star record mm. called Brown Skin Lady. Mm. Um, that's yeah, that's a good yeah. song, man. I was just honestly, man, this past week, I was and we talked about this last week about how how foreign important, you know, the, the, the black woman is, you know, how we need to protect them and just value them way more than we have in the past. So, you know, I was just thinking, listen to that song, you know, it's, I think it's empowering, you know, in, in its own way. Um, and it's an ode to, to women, you know, brown skin, black women everywhere. So, you know, that's what okay, I've been listening to okay. this week. Oh, man, why lose? Nice. This is something that I don't know, like, how literally it is connected to the movement and everything going on, but just for me, uh, something about the record just struck me, just the mood, the tone, or whatever it is, but it's from an artist I'm not I'm not too familiar with. His name is Moses Sumney. Um, the song is called Cut Me. So it's a little different, you know, out the box. Like, when you hear it, you know, you can just feel the mood of it as when it first kicks in. I don't know if the message quite you know, It's a hype song? It's just, I, I know you yeah. like the hype songs, man. It's a hype song. <laughs> nah, it's, nah, it's different this week. I look like the energy. Nah, the energy, you know what I mean? It's a little, it's a little different this week. <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's kind of been blended over the past two weeks, and I was kind of on the fence last week about, like, it, you know... I've been, you know, on the fence thinking about which one is which, but like I think this week, I don't know, something about it just kind of, okay, kind of hit me, okay. man. It's a nice little vibe. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. Uh, so, Dow, do that. you want to give give one? Yeah, um, it's definitely got to be Tupac changes for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, in previous okay. episodes, I've been on my <laughs> conscious rap shit, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I switched it up. I switched it up, and, and it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had it switched up. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy, you know, uh, a few episodes ago, I picked Sam Cooke's The Change Gonna Come, and, you know, alongside with Tupac Changes. It's still relevant. A lot of stuff he's asking. Hey, you know, cops give a damn about a Negro, pull a trigger, kill a nigga, he's a hero, right? You know, they got, a, they got instead of war on poverty, they got a war on drugs so the police can bother me. Like, yeah. it's today, bro, it's 2020. You know, you talk about some of those really 
to do. You know what I'm saying? I ain't yeah. never did a crime I have to do. Here we go. To you. That's facts. Don't let it jack you up. Crap the you up. The might as well just rap, rap the whole thing, man. <laughs> might as well let that joint rock. But, um, but yeah, it's a rare about the freestyle. <laughs> okay. All right, so um, we're going to mm. continue truck right in <laughs> to our next section called the good, the bad, the positive. So my good is the fact that I was able to schedule a, a haircut appointment. Right now I look like <laughs> Chewbacca, so I can't wait to get this haircut. Um, that's something that I'm really looking forward to. You know, a bad, um, don't really have a bad, man. I'm really, really happy um, right now. So if somebody got a bad, I'll jump right on their back. Because right now I'm in a good mood. Um, positive, you know, I'm in a really good mood. Positive. Which, 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 is, which feels really, really nice. Um, positive, hmm, my positive would be the fact that the, the, the PVO merchandise, you know, I got the first couple of samples and I'm liking what I'm seeing and I'm eager yes. I to unleash that to the world and, you know, yes, be sir. able to spread positivity in a whole different platform. You know, so that's, that's the basis of, you know, PVO Global, right? Like we started out as events, now we're doing podcasts, right? You know, the next platform's going to be merchandise, clothes, like, but at the center of it is, you know, how are we sharing positivity amongst the world and getting out that message and, you know, spreading um, positive uh, mindsets and, you know, uh, mental health awareness, you know, through the various platforms. So I'm just excited that, you know, the third branch of our company is about to be unleashed to the world. And, you know, I can't wait to see what else you know, we have coming out and in store. So that's really about it. Anybody else want to jump in? Um, my bad, I would say, is, you know, just looking at social media, watching the news, you know, we're still finding out um, more cases where, you know, of senseless killings um, of black people. So, you know, in particular being um, Tamla Horsford, um, you know, we heard about that case where, you know, a black woman was, uh, um, I think she rented a she rented a house with uh, maybe like six, seven other white people. I think it was um, for a little getaway, and and um, you know they found her body the next day. You know she she was dead um, outside in the yard the next day, and and they closed the case. You know this is back in 2018, and the case was closed. They said you know she jumped. They said she jumped. You know. But there, you know, there was definitely evidence of some type of foul play, but they just closed the case and, you know, said that she jumped, that she committed suicide, and that was that, you know. But now, um, a lot of the positive, you know, um, if I can say so, is, is that, yeah, the silver lining is that, you know, it's been brought back up and awareness is being, a lot of awareness is being created um, at this point in time about that case specifically. And, um, you know, hopefully with that awareness, you know, we can get that case open back up because I can only imagine you know, what the families had to go through, um, you know, no justice was served. I'm sure there's no closure, you know, for the families. So hopefully, you know, with that case being opened up, we can really figure out, you know, what truly happened. Um, you know, whoever, you know, whoever did this, you know, we can get them locked up. Amen. And, you know, hopefully justice can be served and family can get closure. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, uh, the good, man, the weather's warming up. Come on. <laughs> you like, well, you I like I'm a, I'm a warm weather type of person, uh, so um, yeah, the, the bad man. Like it was actually kind of like like two weeks ago. I, I wasn't trying to get too much into it, but like I was, I was kind of, 
I was, I, she, I think I might have talked to her. I was like in a little bit of pain. I was, you know, dealing with some, little, like some health issue, man. It turned yeah. out, um, it was, you know, it was, it was Damn. My kidneys. So um, it was actually, yeah. So I was in, yeah. Damn. I'm not gonna lie. Sorry to hear that, bro. I, I was, I was going through it, man. Like I was in a lot of pain, like last year. I almost didn't make, you know, podcasts, whatever. But, mm. um, yeah. Not, but you know, fortunately, uh, I feel like I'm pretty much out the woods now. I've been feeling better, better than ever. Um, you know what I'm saying? Better. Thank God. Yeah, so, you know what I'm saying? I'm feeling good now. I can, I'm able to. That's like, a blessing. Say that. But um, the positive, man, also, um, I feel like, you know, positive. Hopefully, this this, this COVID 19 is kind of letting up. The who just released, released a statement, I believe. They said uh, asymptomatic people mm-hmm. aren't. It's very rare that they're transferring. Is that. Y'all, y'all saw that? So hopefully, man, yeah, I'm just looking yeah, just forward to the end of this COVID. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen something like that. around. Yeah. Everything else is happening. Hopefully, you know, we could, you know, get out there. Enjoy some. Don't, don't yeah, throw that PBO yeah, party. Exactly. Positive vibes, up, man. Right? all about them positive vibes, man. Oh. Keep spreading positivity. Positive yeah. vibes. So. That's what I'm on. We need that. We so. need that event. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I don't die. I don't think you kind of... Um, yeah, for me, the positive is, is pretty much being that, you know, this next generation, they are, they're definitely showing their, their, their heart, they're showing their true colors. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, you know, if the older generation passes away and this okay. new generation is the future, I think, I think the future is bright in, in that extent. Um, the, the sad would absolutely be, you know, anybody who's been hurt in any way during this protest on the front lines. I've, hearing, I've, I've heard crazy things about not just arrests, but people losing eyes to rubber bullets, you know what I'm saying? Like brain damage to, to um, you know, taking rubber bullets directly to the head and all this crazy stuff. And it's sad, but this is, the, you know, I, I just hope, not even hope, I know for a fact that their sacrifices are not in vain. So it is a bad thing, but the silver lining through it all is that you know, a change is coming, man. A real, real change is coming. And I guess also positive is change that, is you know, it's happening towards the latter, towards the middle slash latter end of the year. And we have an election coming up and hopefully we can keep that energy going right into that. And, you know, vote for people that are going to aid in that future and not hold that future back. Well said, Dio. Um, so last portion, something new um, that we're bringing on to the, to the podcast. Um, we want to... Give a shout out to either, you know, black women in our lives, like maybe not in our direct lives, but women we've kind of admired from afar that's doing something good, you know, in regards to pushing the culture forward or a black business. I'll start, I'll kick it off real quickly. You know, I've been quarantining. I've been in a home for a long time. I've been binge watching shows, you know, so one show I caught up on and I'm up to date is uh, Insecure, you know, written by Issa Rae. And uh, you got uh, Nigerian sister, Yvonne Orji, Iboquenu, you got her in it, you know? So, like, I, I gotta give both of them a shout out, because Issa Rae, that show is genius. You know, just the fact that I could watch a television show and immediately relate to it, you know, in real time, that's not something that I, I could say I've experienced, you know, since my childhood, you know, watching, you know, I don't know, like, I don't even know, like, any of those, you know, television shows growing up, like, you know, The Fresh Prince or, um, you know, Bill Cosby, like, I don't know, it's not the same type of show, but that relatability that I have, like, wow, like, I've been in that situation before, like, it's just, it's just a great feeling, and I get that from her show, Insecure, 
It comes on HBO, of course. Everybody that's listening, hopefully y'all know it. And then Yvonne Orji, because she recently came out with a documentary called Mama, I Made It. I think it oh, dropped stand-up, stand-up um, this past stand-up Sunday. Special. Yeah, yeah, stand-up special, right? It's, yeah, um, a stand-up special, exactly. Um, and it, 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 it was an interesting special to me because it was her doing her stand-up thing, but at the same time, it was her in the village in Nigeria, in her home state, mm-hmm. like, and in Lagos as well, but she took them to the east, right? And to and that's really a part of Nigeria that really doesn't get the, the shine, <clears throat> the national and global shine that I, I wish it got, because I, every time I go to Nigeria, I'm from the east, I, I go there, and I, I see all of its potential, but, you know, it doesn't have the glitz and the glamour of like a Lagos or an Abuja. So for her to go there and bring, I think it's HBO, bring H- the HBO crew, like, yo, I'm gonna bring you to my village. <clears throat> Similar to how, to me, in, in, a, in a crazy way, Jay-Z brought Oprah to the hood and he brought Oprah to Marcy Projects and he had her drinking quarter waters. Like, I just thought yeah. that was real ill and real dope. And it's, it's just the beginning of what, you know, Ni- Nigerian entertainment can be, you know, in the future on a global level, you know. So, shout out to Issa, shout out to Yvonne. Okay. So, for me, I mean, my shout out is to uh, Natasha Camille. I don't know if you guys know who she is, but she's on Instagram. I didn't know this, but I think she's a popular YouTuber. And she does, like, you know, hair video. But she came onto my radar because she's been... <laughs> She's been going after racists, man. Like she's out there reaching out to universities, reaching out to ball clubs, reaching out to to employers and basically putting these racists on blast, right? Like basically sending uh, stuff that they've posted on their social media pages or in text messages, um, really racial, racist, uh, vile things that they've been saying. And she's been basically bringing it to the attention of institutions that they either go to school at or people that employ these individuals and basically getting them fired and getting them to lose their scholarships. And, and uh, yeah, she's my hero low key because, you know, she's basically, you know, uh, holding people accountable for antiquated beliefs. And sometimes you gotta, people gotta lose something to realize like, you know, this is not a game, this is not a joke. You know, if you're gonna type something like that, if you're gonna say something like that in public, you better believe it because there are consequences for those actions. You will get canceled from your life. Mm. So yeah, Natasha Camille shouts out. Yeah, I mean, mine is general, honestly. Um, nobody specifically, mine is general. Just wanna shout out, you know, all the black women who were, you know, on the front lines and just really fighting a good fight um, on behalf of, you know, the entire black race. Um, you know, women do such a great job at it. You know, a lot of videos that I've watched in terms of actual actionable items and strategies and you know what comes next after these protests a lot of proposals um really have been from women you know so i really just want to shout out all the black women thank um, you yeah just to shout out black women in general um i think uh, the mayor of atlanta i think with keisha uh bottles you know she really stood out to me i thought she was, she, was, she had some powerful words um while a lot was going on she had some really powerful words she had a press conference with ti and killer mike that um you know man that and there you have it, my good people. Positive vibes only, people. PVO Global podcast wrapped in a bag. It is what it is. We dropped all types of gems. Make sure you guys continue to drink a lot of water. But most importantly, stay positive. You know the vibes. Till next time. Peace.
not positive. We don't want it. We hate it. Get it out of here. Positive vibes only.